You're listening to LinkedIn Ads Radio, the podcast dedicated to exploring and mastering LinkedIn advertising with your host, Anthony Blattner from Speedwork. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the LinkedIn Ads Masterclass. This first season will give you a complete overview on how to best plan and execute your LinkedIn ad strategy. I'm your host, Anthony Blattner, and today we'll be talking about audience targeting. So after strategy, targeting is the most important part to get right of your LinkedIn campaigns, and also very easy to unintentionally mess up. So if you're here, you probably already know that LinkedIn has some of the best targeting out there. And if you're already familiar with LinkedIn targeting, it can be helpful to have a refresher and maybe you'll find some good nuggets in the nitty gritty details we'll share here. So let's dive in. Number one is the importance of targeting in advertising. So once you got your strategy down, targeting is the most important aspect of your campaigns. If you don't reach the right people, then everything's off the rails from there. There's a framework I always like to think about when discussing targeting and personas. I think it was Elon Musk describing people as vectors. This is how I think about targeting. You may also call it qualification and intent. A vector is a dot and an arrow, indicating a current point in time and a direction. This means that defining a person based on who they are currently and where they want to go or where they want to get away from is a good way to think about your targeting. So who they are is their current location, current job, and current demographics. This may be like, for example, a 35-year-old software manager working at one of the FANG companies. Where they are going is defining somebody by what they want. Maybe that software manager wants to learn AI software development so they can either get a promotion or build their own software product on the side. Again, targeting is the first step to a successful campaign. The more targeted your campaigns are at the right person, the less wasted spend you'll have and the higher your ROI will be. LinkedIn's just a great platform because it offers a lot of these professional targeting options that just aren't available anywhere else. Next, let's talk about personas and how to create a target persona in LinkedIn ads. So I find that personas are the best way to think about the different segments in your audience so that you can then mold the targeting parameters around those personas and also write ads to speak directly to those personas. There are so many targeting options, campaign options, ad options, that it really starts by knowing the persona that you want to target. I know for myself, when I sit down to create ads, the clearer picture I have of the person that I'm writing for, the better writing I can produce to speak directly to their pain points and desires, and the more effective those ads are. So start by describing the different customer segments that you serve and the stakeholders that you want to reach. For example, that might be sales leaders at small tech companies who need new ways to drive sales in a down economy. You may also have executives and finance leaders at those tech companies who want to reduce costs and improve sales efficiency. Finally, you might have a partner-like persona where you're targeting SDR firms who would then use your product for their clients who they care about white labeling and ease of use. So personas can help you avoid the downfall of dumping everything into one audience. I've audited accounts where you can tell they kind of just went in and clicked all the different industries they serve and all the job titles they serve. And it kind of just creates a hodgepodge of an audience making it harder to write ads for that audience. Because say, for example, what one industry cares about, another industry may not care about. And when you're targeting people, what the sales leader cares about may be different than what the business owner cares about. So when you put those all together and your ads have to reach all those people, it's definitely going to hinder the effectiveness of your ads. All right, next, we're going to give a complete run through of LinkedIn's targeting options. So sit back and get your notepad out because there's going to be a lot of nuance to cover here. First is location. In the location selector, you can target by country, state or province, city or region, and county. Note that you cannot target by zip code. Also, there's an option for targeting by permanent or recent location. 
Permanent means that their profile is set to that location, and recent means that their IP has been in that location in the last 90 days. So usually we stick to permanent location because that's going to be the most exact. You can use recent when you want to, and you're trying to find ways to expand that audience, and then maybe for like retargeting ads is a good time to use recent. You can also, recent can also be used to include people who travel, and based on traffic and leads that I've seen in the past, um, recent also includes people who remote into a computer internationally, their IP then pops up in that location. And then I've seen a lot of international traffic get included when you use recent. So be careful of that. And you can also exclude by a specific location. For example, you can target the entire US minus a specific state or city. Next is the job title section. So in job titles, it's important to first note that job titles on LinkedIn are a free text input field. So I can go into my LinkedIn profile and type in whatever I want in that input. And then LinkedIn attempts to categorize me to the closest job title uh, in its hierarchy of job titles. And that might also be multiple job titles depending on what I type in there. Note that not all job titles are findable or selectable uh, exactly as you type them in. LinkedIn matches you to the closest job title that it can find. So when you're trying to find a job title and maybe it's just not appearing in the selection options, try thinking about what job title that one might fall under. What could be the super title above that? Often it's a simpler title or more high level title. So if you, for example, if you're taking very specific HR titles like VP of talent operations, that title might fall under VP of talent management. And you might have to select VP of talent management if you want VP of talent operations because talent ops is not selectable. Um, directly, so you'd have to select talent management. When selecting job titles, you can select current job titles, past job titles, or current or past job titles. Further on the tree hierarchy here, if you imagine what a, what a tree graph looks like, you have a super node, and below that super node, you have different sub nodes. So that's how LinkedIn's job title targeting works, where if you target that super node, you'll also be targeting everything below it and it might have its own branches and then those branches may have their own branches and so on and so forth. So think about if you're targeting a very basic generic title, you're probably including a lot of other stuff below that. So be mindful of that. It is possible to target the super title and then exclude specific subtitles below that. It is kind of getting very nitty gritty into the targeting and also be mindful of when you're excluding job titles. If you exclude a super title, you'll be excluding all those subtitles that appear below it as well. For an example, if you type in vice president marketing into a job title and select just that, that super title, you'll also be including VP of digital marketing. You'll be including interim VP of digital marketing and other job titles below that. When you target just vice president by itself, you will target all vice presidents, including VP of marketing and VP of sales. So be careful when selecting a super title like HR manager, there's a lot of titles that fall under that tree. So LinkedIn's job title system, it's a good system, but no system is perfect. So there are some interesting combinations you may find. And as a campaign runs, you can always click on the demographics button in campaign manager to see what are the actual job titles that have been reached. And finally, some common exclusions under job titles might be retired, professor, and student. We often find that those are useful to exclude. Next is job functions. So just like LinkedIn automatically categorizes your free text input into a job title, that is also categorized into a job function. On LinkedIn, there are 26 different job functions that it could be categorized into from marketing to operations to quality assurance. Sometimes it's clear what function a job title will fall into, other times maybe less clear. Job titles like HR manager will fall into the human resources function, while also job titles like talent acquisition specialist will also fall into the HR function. 
A job on your profile can fall into multiple functions. For example, if someone's job title is VP of sales and marketing, they'll show up under both the sales function and the marketing function. An important job function to call out here is the business development function. This one's probably lesser understood on LinkedIn. It includes people with job titles that contain business development, like VP of business development or business development manager, but it also includes all the generic job titles like plain vice president. So if you want to target broadly the executive leadership at a company, you would use the business development function. Job functions are considered like the broader umbrella above job titles because all those job titles will fall into different functions. Given that, most people do tend to use job title targeting, so job title targeting tends to be the more expensive option to target, but it is the more specific. So if you sell to a larger audience, consider using the job function targeting as will afford cheaper costs. Next is job seniority. This is also automatically inferred by the level of a job title. The seniorities on LinkedIn are unpaid, training, entry, senior, manager, director, vice president, CXO, owner, and partner. For an example of the different seniority levels, let's take somebody in a marketing role. Marketing intern job title would be the training level. Marketing specialist would be entry level. Senior marketing specialist would be a senior level person. Marketing manager would be manager, marketing director, VP of marketing, and the chief marketing officer. Most of those are pretty obvious, but just helps to outline them. Keep in mind that senior usually indicates a higher level of an independent contributor on a team who is not necessarily a manager. A job title like doctor is actually considered senior. The partner seniority can be a range of things, from managing partner as somebody who is leading a company day-to-day to a board member, investor, or advisor, somebody who's not involved in day-to-day operations. I usually see that partner is probably the most misused uh, seniority, as often it's included when trying to target all upper-level executives, yet a large, large percentage of that audience are simply advisory roles. Of course, the higher up you target on the chain, the more expensive and the smaller that that audience tends to be. This is probably obvious, but you can explicitly see the required bid ranges and costs jump up as you add and remove seniority levels on LinkedIn. Next are member skills. Member skills are skills that a person explicitly chooses to list on their profile. It doesn't have anything to do with the number of endorsements they have towards each skill, just that it's listed there. Keep in mind, some skills can be very broad, like strategy or business, while others can be very specific, like YouTube API. Skills are a great way to get very granular into the specific type of person you want to target. For example, HR managers with skills for hiring and recruiting work on very different things than HR managers with skills for benefits administration or learning and development. On to years of experience. Next, years of experience is the total number of working years that are listed on someone's job profile. The highest it can be is 12 plus. Usually you'll select a range and you can select uh, five to 10 years or you can select 12 plus as a range. LinkedIn doesn't double count if there's multiple active roles and also gap years don't count if there's gaps between jobs on their profile. The thing to keep in mind is that many people do start working when they're 16 and have a part-time job. So by the time that they're 28, they can have that 12 plus years of experience and fall into that category. If you're trying to target older people, it can be a good way to target uh, based on age because age, as we'll hear soon, is not always available or accurate. The next option is company category. So these are some handy pre-selected company lists that LinkedIn has created. For example, there's options to select the Fortune 500 company list or Fortune 1000. There's some for like uh, fastest growing companies. Um, So you can use this option to quickly select all the companies on this list. I feel like there's a huge opportunity for LinkedIn to create more lists like this and categories 
like say best places to work, or if it's a new company that's been created, or maybe like a recent funding activity. So there's some interesting pre-built lists here, and I really hope LinkedIn continues to add to these options. After that, next is company connections. These are another interesting option where selecting this will allow you to target the first degree connections of employees at the companies you select. So if you think about that, it's the take the employees of the company you select and then all of their first degree connections uh, will then be targeted. Companies will only be available here if they have over 500 employees. That's like a privacy, uh, user privacy thing on LinkedIn. So you can take a company like Stripe, take all their employees and target all the connections of those employees. Often, this is great for promoting partnerships and affiliate deals, but it is possible to target your competitors as well. Next is company follower of, aka company page followers. So using this option, you can target or exclude followers of your company page. Note that it will only show you companies that you work for, so you can't target the followers of another company. I know I get that question a lot, is if we can target followers of another company page, and unless you are employed there, you cannot. That option won't even pop up. Next is company industry. This is the industry of the company a person works at, and that's listed on that company page. And it includes industries from retail to financial services to software development. About a year ago, LinkedIn expanded this list of selectable industries from 150 up to 400 plus. So, which is great because it provides a lot more granularity and a lot more options to select from. So there are now a lot of top level industries and then several layers of sub industries below those top level industries to choose from. If you choose one of the top level industries, you'll be including all those sub industries. So keep that in mind as you choose your industries. Now, when they made that switch about a year ago, most companies were automatically migrated to a new industry that was automatically chosen for them. So I found that a lot of companies are ending up in that, in a super industry, even when there's a more descriptive sub industry for them. So be mindful of that. For example, Trader Joe's is in the retail super industry, while there is a retail groceries sub-industry that they probably should be in, but aren't. The best way to plan your industries is to take a handful of specific companies that you know you want to reach and go visit their company pages and see what industry is listed there and use that to guide your targeting. Moving on, next is company size. You can target by company size, and that's the number of employees who are at a company. Note that this is not just the number of employees on LinkedIn, even though that number is what's more prominently displayed at the top, you'll have to go to the about section of that page and scroll down a little bit. Company size is the number of employees that have been manually selected by the company page admin. So this is, this is an option on the company page. They're going to set a company size and then that's what we target. It's not just the number of employees on LinkedIn. Keep in mind that if a company or a person does not have a company page, some companies have just not created their company page or some people type in a company name, but they don't actually click the auto-suggested page to tie it to it. If that happens, then they won't even have a company size value associated. So with cases like that, if you use the company size filter, you'll actually be excluding all those people who don't have a company page or haven't tied their profile to a company page because they don't have a value there. I find this happen most often in smaller companies or less digitally savvy industries. Often those have not created their company page or tied it. So if you're targeting small companies, consider not using the company size targeting, but maybe instead flip it and then exclude by a company size uh, and then look at what your resulting size is that way. Or there might be a lot of people falling in those gaps. All right, moving on next is company revenue. Keep in mind that revenue targeting is a newer field for LinkedIn and that it's not self-input on the company on their company page, like headcount is. 
LinkedIn doesn't disclose exactly where this information comes from. I'm sure they have a partnership with some data provider out there. And I've seen pages where the user question pops up, like what industry is this company in? What revenue level is this company in? So I think it's probably a combination of different sources where they probably have a data partnership that they're pulling these values in from, but then also if different users are voting different options on it, uh, that could change, you know, change certain values. So revenue is great. I know a lot of people tend to talk about company targeting size by revenue, and it's how most companies define their ICP. But the caveat is that since this is a relatively new field and it's not self-input by the company, you're relying on these external data sources, which you know, number one, might not always be accurate or up to date. And then number two, when you're using an external data source, those are probably only going to have values for like the largest companies. So small companies often do not have this value. And then back to what I said last time is if you're targeting small companies and this value doesn't exist and you try to use this filter, you'll be excluding all those companies without the value. So again, if you're looking to target small companies, I would consider maybe excluding the opposite rather than using the targeting. And then finally, often when I'm using revenue or size, I'll often or those together to make sure that I'm, I'm not missing out on anyone in my audience. All right. So we are going through a lot of info here. I'll take a break for a second to say, feel free to hit pause, go refill your coffee while we keep jamming. And next we're moving on to the demographic section of targeting. So as we dive in here, the first sub option here is age. So you can target by age ranges on LinkedIn and those categories are 18 to 24 or 25 to 34 and so on. It's important to note that age is inferred by LinkedIn. They're kind of guessing on this and it's based on the year that a person graduates from university is how they ballpark it. So inherently that makes it a little bit less accurate because obviously people graduate at different times. And also many people on LinkedIn remove the graduation year from their profile. I tend to find that this is often older people who will remove the graduation year because they don't want that displayed. And then they're removing that age value on their profile. So if you try to use the age filter and often kind of like back to the company size filter, but for age here, if you try to use the age filter on older people, but a lot of those people have removed that year on, on their profile, you're going to be missing out on them because the filter is going to remove all those people that don't have the value. So if you do intend to use age, I often recommend oaring it with years of experience. So you're not losing out on a large chunk of your audience. Next is on to gender. So you can target by male or female on LinkedIn. And also keep in mind that this is also an inferred option by LinkedIn. So again, they're guessing and it's primarily based on the profile name. But obviously there are a lot of names out there that can be used for both men and women. So this is not a perfect filter either. Since it's not always clear, I recommend only using this gender filter if absolutely needed. All right, let's jump to the education section next. Here, you can target someone based on the degree that they earned, such as masters of science or bachelors of science or their field of study, including architecture or computer science. And then finally, you can target the school that they attended. So this is going to often be useful for targeting alumni. So these settings are most often used for continuing education programs like MBAs or higher ed programs when targeting school alumni. Finally, we're on to the interests and traits section next. There are some great options here to take your targeting another level further. The first is groups. This is where you can target people based on the LinkedIn groups that someone has joined. Back to the people as vectors framework, this is a good indicator of interest of where someone is headed. Joining a group indicates that someone is interested in a topic or maybe part of an association. Keep in mind that many people do join groups in order to sell that group. Next is the members interest category. Interests are relatively new to LinkedIn, but I think they're a great step for the platform. 
LinkedIn infers interest based on a user's activity, given what they are posting about and what people and companies they're interacting with. Recently, LinkedIn expanded the interest options into three categories, general interests, product interests, and service interests. While some of this is a black box on how it works, we see that products listed match up with the new product pages on LinkedIn, and it's possible to list services you offer on your LinkedIn profile, along with services you need in the find an expert on LinkedIn. Those are the gig jobs on LinkedIn. So it's assumed that LinkedIn categorizes engagement with these different product pages and service providers as signals of intent. Now, I've seen general interests can be rather broad and contain a lot of people on LinkedIn. So usually I'll start with skills and groups targeting when I want to be more precise, and then I'll move to general interests as a broader umbrella if needed. And then this product and service interests do tend to be a lot smaller of groupings. Next is the member traits category. There's a variety of really great options in this category. So some of the most common ones are number one, frequent travelers. This is great when marketing anything travel related. LinkedIn does have pretty good location data because they can tell when someone's using their app or website and that person changes locations in a short period of time. Of course, not everyone shares location data in all those scenarios, but uh, LinkedIn does get a lot of good geographic data from people. Next is open to education. This is good anytime you're selling courses such as professional development or higher ed programs. Number three is job seekers. We do use this one pretty often. This contains people who have applied to a job on LinkedIn in the last 90 days. You can target this trait when running recruiting campaigns, when you want to find people who are applying to jobs, or you may want to exclude this trait when running a sales campaign as people who are applying to jobs may be leaving that company soon and wouldn't be a good sales target. Also, given all the layoffs recently, people may not have ended the last row on their profile, so excluding this trait can also help you tighten your audience. Next is device preferences under here, and this is where you can select desktop versus mobile and even drill down into Mac versus Windows versus Linux. Now, device preference is what type of device that they use LinkedIn on a regular basis on, not what device they're on currently. So most often this is useful for when you're selling either mobile or desktop software, you'll want to choose one of those preferences or maybe excluding a platform where your piece of software is not compatible with. Now, those are the most commonly used options here. There's also options for career changes, expats, frequent contributors, open to relocation, recently promoted, recently relocated, and recently switched jobs. So feel free to take advantage of those if any of those sound relevant to your campaign. I feel like there's a lot more categories that LinkedIn could add here, such as is hiring, creator mode, and services that that person might deliver. So I hope LinkedIn continues to expand this list in the future. All right, so everything we just talked about was under the audience attributes section of the targeting. And all of those were based on first party LinkedIn profile data and activity. Next, we're gonna hop over to the audience section, which is also called custom audiences. In here, we have several options to bring outside data to the platform to focus our targeting in other ways. The first is list uploads. So number one, you can upload a list of contacts. And just like many other platforms out there, you can upload a list of contacts of individual people to match and either target those people or exclude those exact people. Now, this is great for focusing on a specific list of decision makers or excluding other leads that you maybe have already captured in other ways. Number two is company lists. And just like contact, you can also upload a list of specific companies to target that entire company and overlay additional targeting on that, or you can exclude those list of companies. So this is basically how account-based marketing is done. And this is one of the most powerful features of LinkedIn that's not available anywhere else. So we'll get into some strategies on how to better use this later in the episode. The next category is lookalikes. 
Just like Facebook, you can create a lookalike audience based on a certain seed list that you'll provide to LinkedIn, where LinkedIn will build a new list based on the people most similar to the ones in your seed list. I find that lookalikes can kind of be hit or miss on LinkedIn because really the power of LinkedIn is in the exactness of your targeting. But when you create a lookalike, you're kind of allowing LinkedIn to make a couple hops to find other people. And I find those blur lines typically include people that are outside of my ICP. So I've seen this best used when you have a very large target audience, like selling credit cards to business owners. Maybe you're already using and maximizing all the built-in options. Or if you do have a large target audience using LinkedIn's first-party data, then maybe you can overlay a lookalike of your current customers or opportunities on top of that to try to get as close as possible to lookalikes of your current customers when overlaying on first-party data. The next section is retargeting. So just like it sounds, you can set up groups of people to retarget based on previous interactions. And this is how you start to build your funnel using advertising campaigns where you can track people who have clicked on your ad and then people who have visited your website and then maybe people who have booked a sales call with your team. And then you can create different audiences and match up different ads and campaigns that show different messages and point people to different pages based on what stage in the funnel and what retargeting audience that they're in. So let's get into what types of retargeting you can do. First, you can retarget people who have visited your company page. We often use this similar to how we use website visitors because people showing people visiting your company page shows higher intent. Next is events. So you can retarget people who have RCP'd to an event that you hosted on LinkedIn. LinkedIn tracks those events and you can pull in that event and target those people. Next is single image engagements. So you can retarget clicks to single image ads, including social engagements. So this is when people are clicking on your ad. Maybe they're going to visit a website or maybe they're clicking like or comment on one of your ads. Next is retargeting video viewers. So you can retarget people who have watched a video ad of yours by a certain percentage of that video completion time. And then finally is the website visitors category. And it's important to note that currently website visitors only starts tracking when the audience is created. So if you're even considering running ads, I'd recommend creating your website retargeting audiences now. And finally, keep in mind that based on the ones I just mentioned, there is not a way to retarget document ad engagements, message ad opens, or carousel image clicks at this time. Coming soon will be LinkedIn's new website actions, a way to create more custom audiences based on interactions with your website. So this is in beta right now, but it will be a super handy feature when it comes out that we've gotten a test drive. It's a great way to empower marketers to set up their own audiences and own conversion tracking without having to have a dev uh, implement certain tags on a website or extra code. With this feature, you can include people who click on a specific button on your page, people who sm submit a form, but maybe that form does not redirect to a new page and stuff like that. Currently with lead forms, you can exclude submissions, but if someone on your, on your website submits a form, there is not currently a way, if that form doesn't redirect a thank you page, to exclude those people. So this will solve that problem. Lastly, under here are third-party audiences. These are pretty interesting. So there's a lot of third-party platforms out there that can build lists or audiences and push them into LinkedIn. These can integrate contact lists and company lists. So there are some database platforms out there and intent platforms, platforms like Sixth Sense or Demandbase, where you can create a list of companies, maybe based on other factors that LinkedIn doesn't have those options for, or some of these platforms tried to detect intent signals to find which companies are um, actively in buying processes so that you can focus your ad dollars on companies who are most likely to buy. And then you can push those lists into LinkedIn and then target them through the platform. Also, a lot of CRMs like HubSpot and Marketo integrate directly where you can sync lists or push lists from one of those platforms into LinkedIn. 
This is very handy to be able to exclude leads that maybe you capture elsewhere from your campaigns on LinkedIn so that you're not double marketing to them. And also you could do things like sync your lists of deals in your pipeline to retarget those companies and you know influence more people at those companies who are actively in talks with you. So this is how account-based marketing could be extremely effective. So that's a lot of targeting options there. Almost all these categories can be excluded as well, except for a few like age and gender so as not to allow discrimination on the platform. All right, now that we've covered all the targeting options that LinkedIn offers, this next section will share some execution strategies. And the first that we'll talk about is A-B testing. As you plan out your campaign, it can be useful to split test so you can see how audience one performs better or worse than audience two. Now, you may split test your campaign by persona and you can see, for example, if salespeople respond better or HR managers respond better. Taking that a step further, you could split test by seniority to see if higher up executives or HR managers or entry-level HR specialists perform better, depending on what you're selling. Alternatively, you might split test job titles versus function seniority targeting to see if there are any cost or quality efficiencies that you can make, or you might split test one grouping of skills versus another to see which achieves the best cost per result that you're looking for. Now, based on your budget amount, I recommend split testing at least by personas so that you can match up the message that you're delivering to the person you're advertising to. And then it, with higher budgets, you can take your audience split testing even further. This allows you to clearly see differences in engagement rates, costs, conversion rates between your audiences. So finally, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn's targeting capabilities, but it's important to also discuss its limitations. Number one is multiple jobs on a person's profile can cause targeting to go a little haywire because facets of different jobs may match and put the person in your audience incorrectly. For example, job A may be a software developer at Google, while job B might be CEO of a side hustle for somebody who might be starting their own independent software widget. So if you were targeting CEOs at big tech companies, this person would show up in that audience kind of incorrectly. So what you can consider doing is consider excluding the opposite categories from the ones that you're targeting when possible to minimize this from happening. So if you're targeting higher up uh, seniorities, you might exclude lower level seniorities to reduce the chance of that happening. Now, just be mindful of your audience size while you're doing this, because additionally, some people do list like volunteering jobs in their profile or in like investor jobs on their profile. So you might be removing some good people from your audience. If your audience is large enough to start, then kind of gives you more room to work with. But if your audience is kind of small on the smaller end, you might be getting down to, you know, too small of numbers. So ideal audience size can kind of depend on a few factors, including budget, activity level of that audience, and your goals. For performance-wise, well, kind of with the LinkedIn algorithm and targeting levels, I usually see that audiences between 30,000 to 80,000 people is a sweet spot. If you have fewer than that, you may see inconsistencies in the campaigns delivering, and it just depends on how active those people are online and how often you can you know, deliver impressions to them. When an audience is larger than that, I kind of think about that I have the opportunity to get more targeted by adding more filters on it and get closer to the, to the sweet spot. Also, if you're trying to spend tens of thousands of dollars a month or drive hundreds of conversions, an audience with less than 30,000 people might be too small to even do that. So that said, keep your ICP constraints in mind. You know, don't add unqualified people to your audience, just to up your number sizes. And in the end, as your campaign runs, keep an eye on the frequency of how many impressions per person are being served as your campaign runs. If this ad frequency jumps up, that's a sign that your audience may be too small and you're serving a lot of impressions to a few number of people. Of course, if your goals are brand awareness, then maybe that, that is your intent to drive a lot of impressions to a small audience. 
All right, let's lock in these takeaways. Today, we covered LinkedIn targeting strategy and building your audiences around personas and the concept of people as vectors. We took a deep dive through all the LinkedIn targeting options available and provided some insight into how and when they can be best used. Finally, we talked about how to A-B test your audiences and plan out your campaigns. All right, well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to LinkedIn Ads Radio. That's it for this episode. Stay tuned for more.